To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Welcome to Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, episode 121. For March 27th, 2016. everyone happy easter happy easter everybody or if you don't celebrate easter happy sunday that's right happy tales from the mouse house day (laughs) you didn't see that one coming did you i did not (laughs) so welcome back to the show hey we got a great show for you today and we'll tell you about it later but um yeah so what's going on with your world joyce oh not much just wanted to start off by Thanking everyone for their patience while I do my fun, fun, fun homework. (laughs) So finishing up this class. Tomorrow's my last day in this class. No more books. Yeah, just this class. And then I start my next one on Tuesday. Yeah? You want to talk up a little bit so people can actually hear you? No. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not a good subject, but once you get your degree, it'll be much better, don't you think? Yeah. But you know the drill. This is number three for you. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, what's been going on in the Tales Casa? Uh, we've watched, uh, we caught up on some shows. We did. Out of all of them, what, are your, what was your favorite one so far? Um, my favorite is House of Cards. House of Cards? Yes. I think that we need Frank and Claire to be our next president and vice president. I agree. I'd vote for them. I would, too. It's too bad that we can't elect them. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to turn this into a no. political show, no, though. No, we're not, we're, not we're not going to get into politics, but let's just say that this has been, uh, this has been a crazy election uh, season, and it's been one that, you know, worse than I, have, than I can recall. I, I don't re- recall ever seeing this kind of circus before. But, I know. You know whatever. And... Arizona's always in the the spotlight for yeah. bad things, and <laughs> they were like that for yeah, the presidential for the, primary. Yep, yep they or, were. Is that what it was called? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But the, the presidential three ring circus. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, House of Cards was, it was it was a crazy season. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I did too. We just finished Daredevil. What was it? Yesterday or the day before? Yesterday, yesterday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, Daredevil. It's it, even though it's a Marvel show, it ain't like um, you know, like Iron Man or or the Avengers. That's quite a bit darker. And um, yeah, boy. <laughs> I liked it though. I liked the first season. Now I'm not a big Marvel comic book type fan. Person. And I married her anyway. I know. I do like Iron Man and you know those. Um, the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. And I like Jessica Jones, but I don't really consider myself like a fan of... Well, no, well you're not a fan girl. You're just a fan. Yeah, but I really, really enjoyed Daredevil. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to give away any spoilers, so I'll just no. leave it at that. No, but one of my favorite characters of all time uh, was introduced in this season. That's the Punisher. Yes. Punisher's cool. I was really kind of... Um, you know, on the fence about John Bernthal playing um, the Punisher because, uh, you know, he was Shane in The Walking Dead. And, uh, you know, we've seen him in a few other things. Um, and, and I like him. He's a, he's, a, he's really a good actor. But I couldn't see him as the Punisher. I think he did a, that they did a good job. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. Selecting that character. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. We watched a show that had some character from The Walking Dead. Sorry, I'm not a Walking Dead fan either. Yeah, she had no idea. But yeah. um, but we watched this movie this morning. Yeah. And yeah. you want to talk In about it? In the loosest it? sense, yeah. Okay, now, I I am a humongous fan of the, the, uh, the 19, I think it was 1986 movie, uh, vacation, National Lampoon Vacation, the original Vacation with Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, and all and all those people. Um, it's it, it was one of the best movies 
I have ever seen. It's funny. It's got that, uh, you know, that road trip um, theme to it that just about everybody, at least in in our generation, I think, can relate to. You know, trekking across country with the family all cooped up. It's like, what is that smell? You know, that, that kind of thing. And then we watched the, uh, I, I, not a reboot, I guess, continuation mm-hmm. vacation where it picks up where Rusty is now an adult, uh, probably the age that his father was in the original. Uh, and he takes his family on a trek to Wally World. And I thought, well, wow, this could be a good movie. I mean, this I would like to see this. But boy, was it a stinker. It was, it was horrible. horrible. And very tasteless, in my very opinion. Very tasteless. Absolutely, completely tasteless. Um, you know, I, I'm not a prude, okay? Uh, I, I'm not, I, I'm just not a prude. Um, but it seemed to me that this movie, they were paid by the F-bombs. They, had a, they must have had a quota. Everybody was saying it. Everybody. All the way down to the little kids. Yeah, but not only that, and I'm going to give away a small spoiler here, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to mute. Just count to 30. Um, So the role of the was Christy Brinkley where she was in the red Ferrari. So they had a character driving the red Ferrari, and part of the scene was her getting wiped out by a A truck, a a semi-truck. And it's like... Come on, people. Yeah, that, that's just that, that wasn't funny at all. The movie was just it's just not funny. It's tasteless. On a scale of one to five, I give it a zero. <laughs> I mean, because you can't go backwards on the scale, so zero is all they're gonna get from me. I thought it was a tasteless movie. Yeah, the, the only good part was at the beginning where he was kind of making fun at the Well, yeah, nodding. I, I I don't think making fun of, but nodding to, you know, the, the originals. Um you know, the, the, what Joyce was talking about, there's a scene where, where Rusty, played by Ed Helms, which ugh, just tainted my, my vision of Ed Helms, um, where he's looking through photos from previous vacations, and it just so happens to be the, the other vacation movies. And you could see, <laughs> very plainly see, that Rusty and Audrey were played by different uh, actors in every single one of the movies. And, you know, it was just kind of funny. Yeah. And then they were talking about... Um, you know, this vacation is going to be, you know, its own vacation. It's going to stand on its own. And one of the kids said, I've never even heard of the original vacation. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. That was that was kind of chuckalicious, but that's about it. Yeah, that was the best part of it. Yeah, I, and that's all I'm going to say about this movie because it was just, it was horrible. It was, I'm glad we didn't pay for it. If we had paid to see this movie, I would be demanding. I'd be writing my congressman to get my money back. Well, technically, we do pay for it because we. Well, yeah, but pay we pay for cable. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, I mean, you, you, all right. So we should ask for that, you know, fifty cents back. But, um, but you know, to to get rid of that nasty taste in our brains, you know, I'm gonna have to uh, break out the Blu-ray of the original Vacation and watch that. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, but we did see a, a good movie though uh, last night, uh, Mockingjay Part Two. We did. Boy, that was you know Joyce and I listened to the audiobooks of 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 all the stories, and uh, I honestly don't remember ninety percent of what happened in this movie, but it was good. Yeah, the ending. I remember the ending. Yeah, but I don't really remember much more. Yeah. than that. Not going to give it away, but boy, the special effects in this movie were outstanding. Uh, I just I, I thought it was a I, I thought it was a good movie and it's definitely worth a rent. So I agree. Yeah, and and I watched a movie. Uh, I think it was the beginning of the week. No, it was on the 18th when it was when it was released on Netflix. But Joyce didn't watch it because she's not a big fan of this particular franchise. But it was Pee Wee's Big Holiday. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, you want something fun to watch that will make you laugh, and it's not you know it's not one of those movies where you gotta you know really think too hard about it because it's just silly fun peewee's big holiday on netflix is definitely fun you know it, it reminds me it reminded me of the original peewee's playhouse it reminds me of the the big top peewee and uh, peewee's big adventure it's just a cute movie i really enjoyed it oh hey before before we forget we got to say something what do we have to say hi seth 
Oh, yes. Hi, Seth. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Hi, Seth. Welcome to the world. This is, you know, he, okay, Seth is is Will, our, our good friend Will Stein and his fiance Jane's uh, little boy. Cute, adorable little boy. Will shares pictures of him all the time. And uh, we were going to say hi to him on our last episode, but we had so much you know, going on in the episode that we completely forgot. So I'm so sorry. Welcome to the Tales family, Seth. Hopefully, you know, maybe someday, Joyce, we can have him do a review for us. That would be nice. Yeah. Speaking of review, uh, good friend uh, Troy Heinrichs, who does the Packers fan podcast with Wayne Henderson and a couple other things, uh, they were at Disneyland just a few days ago. I know. I watched some of his videos. Yeah, I did too. And boy, I was I was heartbroken because I want to be there. But uh, he said he's going to record some stuff for us, and uh, we're actually going to have him on the show. Um, you know, we're going to chat with him here in a couple of weeks, uh, all about his adventures, and uh, you know, well, that'll be fun. Yeah. So, uh, what else? What else you got to talk talk about there? Um. Well, because I have been so busy doing homework even though it may not sound like because i was just talking about the tv shows that i watch well you gotta decompress you can't do homework and then go to sleep you can't wake up go to work come home do homework go to bed i know but um i'm into and i have been well let me back up a little bit so all my life literally all my life i've loved to color ever since she was an infant yes so for those of you that she was a prodigy for those of you that might be aware, there's a new trend, I guess. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah, but it's, it's a new fad, sort of. Yeah, so adult coloring books to relieve stress. Well, it's not really new. It's been around for it's been around for at least ten years, but it's just it's becoming it's becoming big again. Yeah. So you know, like I said, I've I've always liked to color, um, and at Christmas, one of my stocking stuffers was a. Um, a coloring book by day calendar. So, you know, I sometimes I'll color those at work. But then a couple of weeks ago, when Al was at the grocery store, he bought me a an adult coloring book. Now, <laughs> maybe you better, maybe you better, um, you know, clarify when you say adult coloring book. <laughs> That's what they're called. They're called adult coloring books. Yeah. It's not anything. <laughs> It's not adult, adult, you know, it's grown up. How about that? Grown up coloring That's books. not what they're called, though. I know. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. So anyways, I have been doing that to relieve yeah. some of the stress, and it is very relaxing. Um, and it's, you know, my mom and dad, like probably five years ago, they bought me a bunch of Disney coloring books. And these are more fun. They're kind of like... They're like abstract know. art. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's a big. You know, this is a big, huge fad in. Uh, it, it's giant in, uh, in in Japan. It really is. I mean, they 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 sell out of these things regularly. It is just a huge thing. Yeah, and one other thing that I love, love, love to do um, is plant flowers. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, it is allergy season. Allergy season is in <laughs> so why not full add to the swing. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm inside, outside, um, the news has reported that Arizona is like the worst place it to is. be. We are the worst state in the entire country for allergies right now. Yep. So it's like, you know, why not? Yeah. So our backyard is in bloom with roses mm-hmm. and freesia and so much more. But we also have the thing that makes my allergies really, really bad. And I call it yellow snow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) which has a totally different meaning back east yes so our yellow snow are they palo verde trees yeah they're palo verde no that's a palo verde so they're palo verde trees and and they just they have beautiful yellow flowers on them but this time of year the flowers fall off and it looks like we have snow on the ground these yellow flowers so i don't know they're just it's just icky. They're but. pretty on the they're pretty on the tree, but I, I they're, they're horrible on the ground because you know we don't have grass, we have rock, you know, desert landscaping, uh, and it's horrible. Yeah, so you know, Al laughing. It's kind of funny because you know we talk about yellow snow and yellow snow in Arizona has a totally different meaning because it's really flowers. Mm-hmm. 
that are on the ground. So, anyways. Yeah, and you don't want to smell the yellow snow bags. <laughs> no. So, mm. this time of year, is like, it's beautiful here, even though it's been a yeah. little warmer than usual. But Well, you know, that's the weird thing, though, because we'll have a week of 90s, then it drops down to 70, 80, and next week, we're going to have, I think tomorrow is going to be 80, Tuesday's going to be 64 or something like that. Yep. For a high. This is crazy. I know. But I think I'd rather have have to deal with the allergies yeah. and have yeah. these temperatures all year round than have to deal with the hundred. Yeah, so. because eventually, you know, you would probably get accustomed to all the allergens. I think so. Yeah. Well, we have some birthdays that that we want to share. Um, so we, we thought instead of like, you know, peace parting it, you know, every episode, we're going to start doing these each month at the end of every month. So if you guys, you know, you want to you wanna say happy birthday to somebody or if you want us to say happy birthday to you, send us an email with your birth date and then, you know, we'll put it on our calendar. But uh, for this month, Wayne Henderson, our good friend and fellow podcaster and fellow voice actor, he's getting into audiobooks, uh, had a birthday. Our good friend, Tad Hansen, Lisa Robertson from Babes in Disneyland, celebrated a birthday. And Ivy Moyer. Very talented artist. She's uh, Rick and Amy's uh, daughter-in-law and Nathan's wife. Um, she uh, celebrated her birthday very recently, I believe, as well. So, happy birthday, everybody. So, Joyce, you want to sing happy birthday? You ready? No, I just say happy birthday. And three, two, one. Uh, uh, uh. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthdays to Jews. Happy birthdays to you all. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> That's Katie saying happy birthday. Katie's happy birthday, thinking. everybody. So. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Don't I just sound so enthusiastic? Yeah, you do. Well, whenever I sing, you always. I like quiet. to hear you yeah. sing. Uh, anything else to share? Nope. Well, we, we have a great show for you this time, like we talked about earlier. Uh, we had a great interview last night with our good friend um, and best-selling author, James, or, I'm sorry, Jeff Barnes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, James. Okay. I don't know. I need to stop. Uh, drinking coffee. Drinking coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Put too much coffee. Yeah. I don't drink coffee anymore. I don't. And so he's had two or three I cups I had three today. cups today, and I'm in a small booth that has very poor ventilation. And uh, already I can see it's it's 81 degrees in here and uh, very, very low on oxygen. So that's Well, we better good... get on with the show yeah, then. Yeah, let's get on the show. <laughs> anyway, we had a great interview uh, with our good friend uh, Jeff Barnes, best-selling author, also known as Dr. Disneyland. And um, I, did, uh, I, I did a little fun thing last night while we were, uh, while we were recording the, the interview. I did a live Periscope uh, broadcast. Um, from Storyteller Al, which is my um, my Periscope thing. It's tied to my Twitter. Um, but Joyce has Joyce does the Tales from the Mouse House Periscope, too, so periodically we'll do those. But I did a live broadcast last night while we chatted with Jeff. Uh, and, of course, uh, you'll only see my side. You'll only hear my side of the conversation. But um, I actually did some commentary while Jeff and Joyce were talking. I had my muke mited, so I actually... Your muke I mean, mited? My, I told you. <laughs> lack of oxygen. Lack of oxygen make a man crazy. <laughs> Your muke was mited. <laughs> my muke was mited. <laughs> my mic was muted. All right, now I'm going to start giggling wow. again. Wow. <laughs> All right. Anyway, my mic was muted. <laughs> uh, so what you should do is you should go over to Storyteller Al on uh, Periscope, or you can find it on, you know... Uh, my my Facebook page, Al Kessel, or Twitter, <laughs> and you can watch the broadcast while you're listening to the interview. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be lots of yeah, fun. So, <laughs> I think we should get on with the show before my so. mute is mic'd again. <laughs> Jelly Dude, stay tuned for Disneyland Resort News. My dad, Crush, totally loves this park. Hey, did you ever find Nemo? Well, with all the renovation and additions happening at the Disneyland Resort, we thought we'd share some of the attraction closings with you. 
Now, over in Frontierland, the Disneyland Railroad and all Rivers of America attractions, including Fantasmic, will be closed until spring of 2017 for the new Star Wars land construction. Can't wait for that. Uh, Autopia will be closed until December 31st for some refurbishment. The Jungle Cruise is closed until April of this year for removal of the holiday overlay. Too bad we didn't get to see that, huh? Yes. The Disneyland monorail is closed at Tomorrowland. So the Tomorrowland station is closed, and there's no reopening date available yet. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad will be closed from April 11th through April 14th for refurbishment. The Matterhorn bobsleds will be closed for refurbishment from April 18th through April 22nd. And Muppet Vision 3D and DCA is closed, and again, no reopening date set yet. It's Tough to Be a Bug is closed for installation of the new Jungle Book movie preview. Man, I want to see that. No reopen date has been announced. And unfortunately, Aladdin in Hollywoodland is closed forever. Boo, boo, hoo. That makes me very sad. It makes me sad. And the Mad Tea Party is also permanently closed. And Silly Symphony Swings on the Paradise Pier is closed for refurb on 411. Reopening date not yet announced. Well, there's a lot going on over there. Yeah. Disney announced recently that although Aladdin is no longer highlighting at the Hyperion Theater, a new classic will take its place. Frozen, live at the Hyperion, will debut May 27, 2016. According to Disney, the Frozen stage production will stay true to the emotional journey of Anna and Elsa while presenting a unique take on the material through elaborate costumes, sets, stunning special effects, and show-stopping production numbers. Now, like we talked about earlier, last night we had a chance to virtually sit down with best-selling author Dr. Jeffrey Barnes. Jeff wrote an amazing and unique self-help book of sorts called The Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. Yep, and Jeff shared how he became not only interested in Disneyland, but obsessed with it. The journey that led him to teaching a college class on Disneyland and ultimately writing a book. We hope you enjoy. Oh, and if you want, watch Al's Periscope broadcast while you listen. You can find that on Periscope at Storyteller Al or on his Twitter or Facebook page. Joining us today is best-selling author and great friend, Jeff Barnes, author of The Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth, a very unique guide to success, told in a very unique and interesting way. Now, Jeff not only wrote a best-selling book and converted that book into an audiobook format, narrated by Al, but he also teaches a university class based on our favorite subject. You guessed it. Disneyland. Woo-hoo. Welcome to Tales from the Mouse House, Jeff. Good evening, Al. Hi, Joyce. Hi. So how are things going for you? You know, it's um, they're really, really going well. I uh, you know, started this journey when the book was released at the end of June, and it's just it's it's been an incredible ride that, you know, fortunately um, hasn't stopped. In fact, I really think it's just getting started. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, so, Joyce, uh, you want to start us off with some questions? I would love to. So, Jeff, tell us about how you got involved with Disneyland and what prompted your love for it. Well, my story actually goes back to 1974. I was a 9-, 10-year-old living in the panhandle of Florida, and Disney World had been open about three years at that point. And so our family took a vacation, and I can remember as a child stepping onto Main Street and just instantly feeling transformed. I I knew that this place was special, was different, was magical. And so almost overnight, I became that kid who, whenever we were going to Disney World, whether it was a scout trip, a band trip, it it didn't matter. I was always the one most excited. I was always the one, you know, counting down the days. And, you know, it wasn't until 1988 when I was a graduate student in Northern California that I had my first opportunity to go to Disneyland. And as I write about in the book, I actually hated my first trip to Disneyland. You hated partly your first trip to Disneyland? I hated it, wow. um, partly because it wasn't what I remembered from Disney World, but mostly because 
you know, we got a late start and, you know, the big e-ticket ride that year was the recently opened Star Tours. And so that's the very first line that we got into. And it took three hours before we had experienced our first Disneyland attraction. And of course, by then the park's only more crowded. It's August, so it's even hotter. And at the end of the day, Al, if you had told me you're going to fall in love with this place, you're going to go on to teach a college course on the history <laughs> of Disneyland, you're going to write a book about it, I, I would have told you that you were absolutely out of your mind. But then several years later, I had a chance to bring a group of young people back to the park. And by that point, I had lived in California long enough to learn that Disneyland's very special uh, to the folks who live here. And I realized I had to have missed something. And so that's when the historian in me started doing the reading and started doing the research. And that's when I discovered, like all of us, Walt wasn't born successful like most of us. He didn't start out successful. In other words, he didn't just breathe the words Disneyland and it suddenly pop out out of an orange grove in Anaheim. He faced all sorts of obstacles and all sorts of adversity. And it was that story, uh, Walt's story of all of the obstacles he faced in his life and the story of the park, his dream and what he faced to make that dream a reality. That's what caused me to fall in love with it. And I've been pursuing it ever since. That's so awesome. Disneyland is such a great place. It's it's hard to imagine anybody not loving it right off the bat. <laughs> well, I, I am a little unusual that way. Yeah. And when I, in Southern California, you know, when I tell folks that I first fell in love with Walt Disney World and actually hated Disneyland at first, there are some boos from the audience because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're attached to Walt's little kingdom in, in our own backyard here in Southern California. <laughs> right. Now, you, you, you mentioned that, that you actually teach a class about Disneyland at the university. How did that come about? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So after we moved to Southern California in 2011, I, I knew that Nikki and I would be getting annual passes. What I didn't know was that some four and a half years later, we would go to Disneyland again and again and again to the tune of, well, now over 300 times and somewhere along the way kind of like what, what happened to Walt when he was with Sharon and Diane in Griffith Park and he had this idea for a place where parents and, and children could have fun together as I was walking in the park one day I suddenly came up with this idea that there should be a college level course on uh, the history of Disneyland partly because it's so popular in Southern California partly because uh, today's generation knows almost nothing about Walt Disney, and they just sort of assume that the park's always been there. Uh, you know, when I talk to my history students, most of them don't remember the first time that they went because they were so young and they've been so often since. Uh, but primarily, I wanted to teach the college-level history course, not so we could go to an amusement park and, and ride a bunch of roller coasters, but really as that motivation really as the ultimate source material to challenge each and every student to make our own dreams possible. Uh, when you go to Disneyland, the public address announcer at 8 a.m. announces that Disneyland is the place where dreams come true. And mm -hmm. that's a great marketing spiel, and it's certainly a, a wonderful slogan for a single day. Uh, but what if, what if, Al, Disneyland is the place that actually shows us how all of our own dreams can come true. And that's sort of the vision that I have for the park. And it was that vision that was carried out in the history of Disneyland course and now in the book, The Wisdom of Walt. That's a great story. So how did your class lead you to writing a book? <laughs> well, um, you know, every great story you know, requires some level of conflict. Uh, we see that in Walt's story. We see it in uh, Disneyland's story. And I, I see it in my own story. So, you know, when I first came up with the idea, um, like a lot of people, I didn't take action on my dream, um, mostly because I was afraid, mostly because I thought I would be laughed at. I didn't want to be the faculty member who was laughed off of campus for pitching such a quote-unquote Mickey Mouse idea. Uh, I didn't want to be the goofy guy who lost his job. And eventually, uh, I followed what Walt said, and that is all of our dreams can come true if we only have the courage to pursue them. And so I went in and, and I asked 
the first gatekeeper, and unbeknownst to me, the chair of our history and government department had worked about 30 years ago as a cast member at Disneyland. And so he loved the idea. It, it was approved rather quickly. And so I spent a year working on my dream, the syllabus, the curriculum, the textbooks, uh, the field trips, the guest lecturers, and, uh, you know, eventually got to walk into a classroom and give the very first lecture in the history of Disneyland class. And I'll tell you, I've never walked into a history course where, you know, students on day one were so excited and, and so engaged. And, and then here's sort of where, where the conflict comes in, because the very next day, as I write about in the book, I was actually diagnosed with a brain tumor. And the surgeon at Cedar sinai said it's life-threatening. It needs to come out. Today's Friday. I want you back here on Tuesday uh, for surgery. And best-case scenario, even if it's not cancerous, and, you know, fortunately, it turned out not to be. Uh, but at that point in time, we didn't know that for sure. And he said to us, you know, even if it's not cancerous, you're going to be out six to eight weeks in, in recovery. And that meant, well, you know, the end of the class, that really meant the end of my, my dream. And so I, I remembered, you know, the line about, you know, story and conflict, uh, the bigger the dragon, uh, the better the story. And so I sort of planted my sword, if you will, and uh, told the surgeon at Cedar sinai that he wasn't going to be touching me on Tuesday or any Tuesday coming soon because I had a class to teach. And so we managed to put it off for, for two and a half months. And so fast forward, I, I got through the surgery, I got through the recovery period, and as I was getting ready to go back to work, I said to my wife, Nikki, I said, you know, it's great that it wasn't cancerous. It's great that I got to teach the class. Um, you know, if that had been it, you know, here I was at age you know, 51 at that point. Um, my true and only regret was that I've had this idea of using these thoughts about how the park shows us how to be successful, not just for a college level course, but for a book as well. And my regret was that I had never actually written the book. And you know, Nikki being the phenomenal partner that she is, the first thing she said was, well, if you're 51 and that's your only regret, you're certainly doing better than most. <laughs> and then uh, secondly, um, what, what would it take to get the book written? And 142 days later, I was sending it off to the editor. Wow. That's pretty fast. Um, I mean, it was fast, Al. Yeah. And um, I, I think it was fast, um, first of all, because I had a lot of energy and momentum having gone through that, you know, crisis of being sick that summer. And I think the other uh, piece to all of that was this really has been a passion for me. I have uh, studied leadership and life lessons and success uh, for the past 20 to 25 years alongside everything I could get my hands on with regards to Walt Disney, Disneyland, uh, Disney World. And so once I actually sat down to put pen to paper, it, it just didn't take that long because the momentum and the material, it, it was all there. And, and so, you know, it, it really came together very, very, very you know, quickly. I actually write about uh, pursuing your passion in The Wisdom of Walt, and I heard something the other day that, you know, I, I would love to go back and add to it. Um, somebody said, whatever you're willing to read 500 books about, um, <laughs> doesn't matter what the subject is, and you don't even have to read the books, but whatever you're willing to read 500 books on, that's your passion. And I would um, say that between Walt Disney, Disneyland, Disney World, leadership, life lessons, and success, I have far exceeded 500 books at this point. And so we just put the marriage together, uh, got busy writing, and here we are. Right. Now, you, you kind of uh, answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because it's kind of a two-part. Um, so you said it, it took 140 plus or minus days to write it. Now, was that process easier or a lot more complicated than you thought it would be? Um, did you think it would go quicker? Did you think it would be uh, an easier thing to write? Were there any, uh, were there any areas uh, while you were writing the book that you had a lot of difficulty with? And, and what were those and, and how did you get through those? Well, it's a great question, Al. Um, you know, first of all, the morning that I started writing, uh, which happened to be November 22nd, which for Disney fans out there, um, that date is somewhat significant because November 22nd happens to be the, the very day that Walt Disney himself first saw the land in Central Florida where Walt Disney World would ultimately be constructed. 
It also happened to be the very afternoon that President Kennedy was assassinated, and Walt wouldn't learn of that tragedy in Dallas until uh, later on that day. He, in fact, he may well be the last American uh, to have heard of, of that particular event. So I, I get up on the morning of November 22nd, and I, I made a commitment, and my commitment was I was going to write 333 words every single day until it was done. And, and there were no excuses. There were no exceptions. That was the minimum effort. And there were some days, I, I think the most I wrote in a single weekend was 4,000 words. Wow, um, that 4, was a re really good weekend. And there were other days where, you know, I would sit and stare at the computer uh, for two hours uh, trying to come up with 333 words. <laughs> uh, but if you've ever tried to write anything, you'll quickly realize 333 isn't that much. No. And the lesson that I learned is writing a book's a lot like taking a trip in your vehicle. And what I mean by that is if you were to, say, leave Disneyland and head off to Florida to go to Disney World at night, well, you don't need enough gas to get all the way to Orlando, and you don't need your headlights to see all the way to Florida. You, you simply need enough light to get you, you know, 20, 30 yards down the road, and you simply need enough gas to get to the next gas station. And so with 333 words, my commitment was to write just enough to get to the next day. And, you know, you just slowly build uh, word by word, page by page, day by day until you ultimately reach your, your destination. And having said all of that, I, I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I had a bunch of stories, stories about Walt, stories about Disneyland, stories about me and Nikki and me and the family and our own trips and experiences to Disneyland and, and Disney World. And so I just wrote every day wherever I thought I could find 333 words. And it wasn't until about halfway through the process. I, I, I think I was around 35,000 words at this point. And the entire manuscript turned out to be around 67,000 words. So I'm about halfway through and, and all of a sudden the, the muse showed up if you will, that source of inspiration, this idea that, hey, you've got something here and, and, and it's a little bit magical, if you will. Uh, and it was about halfway through that the formula came together, which is, um, you know, start each chapter with a story from the park, end each chapter with a story from the park, um, you know, write about, you know, Walt afterward, write about yourself. And of course, you know, as you've seen, because you did the narration for the book, it was also about halfway through that we came up with the souvenir stops, which are the life lesson applications for the reader in each chapter, and then the ending or exit story, which we labeled the hand stamp stories. I, I would love to say I was ingenious enough to have all of that at the very starting of the writing process, um, but I just had to sit down and write. And fortunately, uh, that came to me uh, by way of inspiration about halfway through. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Yes, I agree. It's very interesting. It's always been a dream of mine to write a book. So you are inspiring me to to do that. Excellent. So we've talked about um, the print version of your book. So what made you decide to turn The Wisdom of Wald into an audio book? Well, you know, I've got this good friend on Facebook by the name of Al Kessel <laughs> who <laughs> reached out to me and, and said, hey, have you ever considered doing an audio version of The Wisdom of Walt. And at that particular time, you know, the, the book was starting to get some traction. And, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, we had sold a number of copies at the Disney and a fan convention uh, in July, which uh, coincided with Disneyland's 60th anniversary. Um, we did a phenomenal uh, number of sales at D23 uh, the next month. Um, by that point, we also had an ebook version, and it was starting to hit number one in multiple categories, uh, including you know theme parks, tourist destinations, personal success in business, and so um, you know somehow, somewhere, you know Al found out about it, and and he reached out to me, and it was really one of those deals where you know how much do you believe in a thing? Um, you know Walt once said, if you believe in something believe in it all the way. And so when Al first approached me about narrating an audiobook, I wasn't 100% sure 
but then I remembered that <laughs> quote from Walt and, you know, realized why not open up uh, the, the lessons and, and the stories and the, you know, meaning behind the book to as many different audiences as possible. And so, uh, you know, Al and I made an, a, an arrangement and I'm absolutely thrilled. I think he did a great job with the narration. And, you know, just like the print version has taken off, the sales of the auto, audio book have been really, really good as well. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. I, 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 to be completely honest, I am very, very honored to be the voice of the audiobook. Uh, what sort of things do you think the audiobook version will bring to the table that can add to the impact of the print copy? Well, I think first and foremost, Al, um, I, I love the idea that you are, you know, storyteller productions. <laughs> and that goes right back to the heart of Walt. Um, you know, Walt once said that he most wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. It was for the purpose of telling stories uh, that he built his dream, a dream called Disneyland. And so if you go back uh, and, and look at human history, it, it's only been recently that we've lived in an era where so many people are literate, meaning they have the ability to both read and write. Uh, originally, stories were told orally. And so the idea that the stories in The Wisdom of Walt are, are going to be spoken and are going to be heard, I think resonates with what Walt wanted to be as a storyteller. And I think most importantly, it resonates with um, the, the original dream for why he wanted uh, to build Disneyland. Disneyland is a story that Walt wanted his guests to experience. And I think the audio version allows people to experience The Wisdom of Walt rather than simply read it. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, let's see in a little secret. Um, there, there's actually two reasons why we named the the uh, the voice company Storyteller uh, Audio Productions. The first is because, uh, first and foremost, I I consider myself a storyteller. I've always been a storyteller. I love to tell stories, and doing that through audiobooks is is kind of you know it's it's a it's a great thing for me. But the second, and I think probably the deeper reason is that when Joyce and I go to Disneyland, our favorite restaurant is Storyteller Cafe. <laughs> oh, yes. So, a little insight there. <laughs> that is, you know, Nikki and I, um, we, we go to the Storyteller Cafe every single year during Thanksgiving week. And that is something that we always look forward to. And we have to limit ourselves because the food there is so good. If we went more than once a year, um, it, it would cause some weight challenges oh, for yeah. us. <laughs> we'll, ha we'll have to plan on meeting up there uh, one Thanksgiving week. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. So you've talked about how the wisdom of Walt has changed your life. So as many of us know, Walt Disney was quoted as saying, Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. So your book has a lot of imagination, like the hand stamp section and things like that. Um, so how did that concept come to life? Oh, like I shared a, a bit earlier, it, it came to me about halfway through and um, part of it was driven by Walt's um, vision for Disneyland itself and and what I mean by that is uh, you know he wanted um, his guests to have a single entrance into the park and he wanted his guests to have a single exit um, and and very, very much like a director who tells stories uh, Walt wanted to control both the opening shot uh, for his guest at Disneyland and the closing shot as well. And so my thinking was, okay, I want I want Disneyland, the park, to be the star of, of this particular story. So how do we ensure that we do that? Well, let's make sure that every single chapter starts with a story from Disneyland. Let's make sure that every single uh, chapter ends with a story from Disneyland, very much like, you know, every guest enters through Main Street, every guest exits through Main Street. Um, the souvenir stops uh, was really just this idea. Uh, if I could sum the book up in, in just a, a few sentences, it would be this idea that we could live every single day as if it were a day at Disneyland. 
And so each chapter um, has its application section, and, and that's where the reader has the opportunity uh, to reflect and to ask him or herself uh, some questions. It, it's this idea that whatever you learn from that particular chapter, there's something that you get to take away or take home with you, very much like a souvenir uh, from the park. And then um, originally the hand stamp stories, that was a section entitled Before You Go. And it wasn't until right before I sent it to the editor that it dawned on me, well, wait a second, the, the guests aren't leaving at the end of chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. They might be exiting the chapter, but of course the hope is that they'll come back and finish the rest of the book. And so it just sort of dawned on me that you know, before you go doesn't really make as much sense, especially if the expectation is that the reader will come back. And that's when it dawned on me, well, when you go to Disneyland, you're allowed to leave, but in order to come back, you have to have your hand stamped. And so the final story in each chapter is entitled a hand stamp story. And in my opinion, those stories are the, have the most emotional impact. Um, it, those are the stories that are supposed to be most memorable. Those are the stories that leave an impression or stamp whatever the lesson is from that chapter into the hearts and minds of the readers. Those were honestly um, some of my favorite parts of the book. Um, I just I, I loved I loved the hand stamp stories and I loved the um, the souvenir stops. And uh, as I was as I was prepping the book and then as I was recording it, I remember talking to Joyce about the whole thing, just thinking that this is it's such it's a great it's a great book because it's it's helpful. Um, you know, it, it, anybody who's looking for success in their life or business or career or whatever, this book is definitely helpful. But the the biggest kick I got was learning some of the stuff about Disneyland and Walt Disney that even I didn't know. And I consider myself kind of a, you know, a knowledgeable person when it comes to Disneyland and Walt Disney. And, you know, you shared things that, that even sparked my interest quite a bit. So, yeah, wow. thank you for that. Well, and, and Al, you know, credit credit my wife Nikki for some of that. And <laughs> and what I mean is, you know, we would we would go around Thank the park. You, and she had never been to Disneyland until our honeymoon. Had never been. And so we're living in Southern California, and we're walking around. And I'd point this out, and I'd show her this detail. And when I'm pointing it out, or I'm showing it to her, I would then talk to her about how. Um, you know, this is really illustrative of this particular lesson or, you know, wow, if people could just take this home and apply this idea to their life, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she stops me one day and she says, you understand, nobody else sees it that way. <laughs> I'm like, well, what do, what do you mean? And, and she said, well, first of all, nobody else knows this, or at least not many people do. And if they do know it, they don't see it through the same lens or the same prism that you do. And I think sometimes we get sort of stuck in our own head. And, and I very much live a life, if, if I see it, or if I know it, or if I understand it, I just assume everybody else does <laughs> as well. And so it, it really took Nikki, um, you know, stopping me, pointing that out, and then saying, if, if you see it this way, and almost nobody else does, there's a reason for that. And, and you have a responsibility to get those stories and to, and to get that message out there. Mm -hmm. and, and I say it in the introduction, uh, which is entitled to all who read this happy book. Mm -hmm. I, I say in the introduction, we need to listen to the park. And, and the reason why I say that is I've spent the past 25, 30 years listening to the park. It's as if it speaks to me. And I, I know that's a little out there, um, but, I, but I believe it in my heart. I don't think it's out there. <laughs> that, that, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, that park has been speaking to me since 2007. Uh, so speaking of Disneyland, how often do you guys get to visit Disneyland? Oh, we are still averaging probably a couple of times a week. So, for example, uh, last week uh, we spoke at a rotary group in Fullerton at 7.30 in the morning. And, of course, you know, Fullerton is only about 15 minutes away uh, from Main Street, USA. So as soon as we were done uh, with the Rotary gig, and fortunately it was spring break at the university, so I didn't have class that morning, we went right over, uh, you know, to Disneyland and, and spent, you know, three or four hours there. 
So that was Thursday. And then on Sunday, we had the opportunity to give a tour of Disneyland to a family of seven from Wisconsin. Not a single person in the family had ever been to Disneyland or Disney World. That was a real thrill. That sounds like an awesome time for both <laughs> you and the family. Uh, we, we loved every single second of it. Yeah. So speaking of the love for Disney, so what is your must-do attraction every time you go to the park? <laughs> well, there's a two-part answer to that. Um, my favorite attraction, the, the one where I just sort of lose myself and it, it just it makes me just really, really, really happy every single time I go is Space Mountain. I, I love <laughs> I love Space Mountain. I, I, and and it, it's not, I don't think it's their best attraction. Um, in, in other words, I don't think it's the most impressive with regards to storytelling, our, our special effects. But for whatever reason, it's the one that resonates the most with me. Um, but unfortunately, as I share in, in the wisdom of Walt, I have not been able to ride Space Mountain for almost two years right. now. Uh, because unfortunately, uh, when we went for, for post-op after you know the brain surgery, we learned two things. The good thing was it wasn't cancerous. And obviously, we were very grateful and very fortunate for that. But then I made the mistake of asking the neurosurgeon, well, when can I go back to Disneyland? And he was like, well, go back and do what? And I knew then I was in trouble. And, you know, I said, well, we'll go back and ride rides, of course. And unfortunately, he put me on a, a two year uh, restriction. I've not been allowed to do anything that shakes me, jars me, spins me, drops me, you name it, for almost 24 months now. Now, Nikki and I argue incessantly over what is on this list and what is not on this list. Um, Space Mountain obviously is on the list. Uh, and probably Indiana, the teacups. Don't, and, and I'm okay with that because I'm not a big teacup. <laughs> uh, the, the two attractions that we argue incessantly over are uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think I should be allowed to ride Pirates. She says no way. And uh, Radiator Springs Racers in, in Cars Land. Um, I, I'm in a vehicle almost every single day, so the idea that I can't uh, ride Radiator Springs Racers seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Uh, but Nikki's whole point is um, all I have to do is call up the neurosurgeon and get his clearance, and she'll not say another word about it. <laughs> and there's no way I'm calling that doctor at Cedar Sinai because he was already ready to kill me anyway. <laughs> Well, mm. when you can finally ride, ride Space Mountain again, maybe we can join you. No, be- you can join him because uh, Al don't <laughs> ride Space Mountain. Oh, chicken. Oh, I, I wrote it. Uh, I, I've written it twice, right, Joyce? Is it twice? Oh, maybe twice. Maybe more than twice. No, I don't think it's been more than twice. Yeah. But be- I, I have no problem with roller coasters, but it's it's dark. So I have I can't orient myself. So it makes part. me, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Every time yeah. Joyce says it, I go, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I still write it every time we go. Yeah, she'll yeah. write it. Usually, we'll, you know, we'll hook up with somebody and and uh, she'll write it with them. And, you know, little do, do, do our friends know, but, they, they, you know, they think we're being really kind inviting them to the park. But I'm yeah. saying, uh, no, it gets me off the hook. <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, um, you know, we have spent the past, year and a half, almost two years now, um, when we go to Disneyland, we'll often grab fast passes for the quote-unquote e-ticket attractions, and we give them to other guests because those aren't attractions that we're able to experience right oh, now. Good idea. Nikki's done a couple of them, but she doesn't really like writing them you know, without me, and so you know, we, we always like to do things for other people, and so you know, grabbing fast passes for other guests and giving them away before they expire um, yeah, that's just a, a, a real, you know, treat for us. And so, you know, we very much enjoy, um, doing that. Yeah, you're yeah, sharing the it's magic. Fun to share that. Yep. That's exactly yep. what I was going to say. Yep. Absolutely. Sharing the, uh, the magic. And then the other sort of irony in all of this is, you know, of course in November they opened up, uh, the star Wars overlay hyperspace mountain. Right. And I was very excited about this, but also very nervous because I was hoping and praying that it would be there long enough for me to be able to experience it at 8.05 in the morning on July 24th of 2016. <laughs> not that and you're counting. Not at all. 
And, uh, of course, the news came out that the overlay is going to be removed sometime in, in May. Ooh. And I was whining and moaning and, and complaining about this. And uh, my daughter, who works as an investigative journalist in Las Vegas, she says to me, well, you know, Dad, if you had had the surgery when you were supposed to, you would have been able to ride Hyperspace Mountain, but you didn't, and so now you don't. And, now, of course, I was ready to kill her when she told me this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the universe's way of saying, do what I say next time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in store for Doc D Dr. Disneyland going forward? Any more books? Are there tours, speaking engagements? Any more books? Um, well, first of all, the, the Wizard of Walt has opened up opportunities to do all sorts of speaking engagements. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of um, speeches I've given in the last nine months. I mean, it, it seems like it's a couple of week at least. Um, we had the opportunity just last month to fly to Connecticut and uh, give a presentation on mastering the four C's of success uh, to the largest uh, supplier of HVAC and plumbing uh, supplies in uh, the Northeast. And so that was just a huge honor and a, a huge thrill. And, you know, we've got, you know, more opportunities uh, laid out in uh, the future. We're always open to giving tours of Disneyland. Uh, we get requests for that all the time and, you know, just love doing it. Um, part of the tour includes the history Part of it includes the details, and uh, I, I think the best part of the tour is the way in which we run around and get everybody's fast passes <laughs> while also getting you uh, in the line for your favorite attractions that don't have fast pass. And so, you know, we sort of advertise that we can get you on more attractions than you'd ever be able to do on your own, and, and people are, 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 you know, pretty much in awe of that. Uh, we did sign a deal with a company out of Pennsylvania, Theme Park Press. Uh, to produce a paperback version of uh, The Wisdom of Walt, and they are going to be pitching it to Disney. And so my next big dream is to walk uh, into Disneyland, onto Main Street, into the bookstore, and purchase a copy of my own book. Now, Nikki, of course, she doesn't understand this at all. She's like, we've got hundreds of copies lying around the house. Why are we going to pay for one more? Uh, but I think the idea of buying your own book at Disneyland is a is a pretty cool dream. And then lastly, I am about a third of the way uh, through writing a follow-up book entitled Beyond uh, the Wisdom of Walt, More Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. And of course, there are more quotes and more stories from Walt that we didn't have the opportunity to cover in the first book. But I think more importantly and more significantly, um, I want to write up more about Walt Disney World than I do in uh, the Wisdom of Walt. And so entitling it beyond the wisdom of Walt uh, allows us to go beyond Walt's somewhat abbreviated life when he passed away in December of uh, 1966. And then, of course, Disney World groundbreaking taking place in uh, 1967. And, you know, that park has its own history and its own stories and ultimately its own life and success applications. Very cool. I'm looking forward to that second book, I'll tell you. Well, yes, as am I. So you've shared some amazing stories, um, both related to Disneyland, Disney World, your book, and just family events. So what is your fondest memory of Disney in general, whether it be Disneyland, Disney World, your book? What is your fondest memory that really, that you want everyone to know? Uh... <laughs> Taking Nikki for the first time on our honeymoon. When we met, I uh, gave her uh, as as a, as a gift. I write about this in the book, actually. Um, I, I gave her um, uh, tickets from the summer of you know nineteen seventy seven. Of course, this is back when they still had the the A B C D and E coupons. And so I had found on eBay an intact a ticket book with all of the coupons from the summer of 1977. And 1977 happens to be the year uh, that she was born and also the year that my favorite attraction, you know, Space Mountain opened. So I, I you know, and, I, and when I gave it to her, I, I said, look, if, if you're interested in me at all, you, you need to know something about Walt Disney and you need to know something about 
Disneyland. Well, she didn't get it, and, and she didn't get it because she had never been. And uh, she had actually worked when she was a teenager at a, a amusement park back in Virginia called King's Dominion. And so when we were getting married and I told her we were going to Disneyland for our honeymoon, I had originally promised Hawaii, but that, by that point, um, we were actually moving to Hawaii. And so we opted for Disneyland instead. And so when she found out we were going to an amusement park for five days, she didn't get it at, <laughs> at, at all. And of course, the only thing she had to compare it to was her experience at King's Dominion back in Virginia. And I'll never forget walking onto Main Street. And, and we did two things that night. Um, we rode Indiana Jones and we experienced Fantasmic and we experienced it, you know, with the VIP setting, seating and, you know, the dessert uh, tray, you know, blah, blah, blah. And by the time we walked out that night, she no longer wondered why we were spending five days there. She actually asked why we were only <laughs> spending five days there. And that's, that's, that's when I knew I had her. Sound familiar, Joyce? It does sound very familiar. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's kind of my story. Uh, yeah, I I didn't want to go to Disneyland when we first went, but uh, now <laughs> I bleed Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know we've talked about this before, but ours was kind of the reverse of yours. Um, we had previously been to Hawaii for our wedding before. anniversary, mm-hmm. and as we were planning our vacation in 2007, we knew that we couldn't go back to Hawaii. So Al had asked me where I wanted to go. And I said, I wanted to go to Disneyland. And the entire time, he's not real happy about it. (laughs) And he thought I was more excited about going to Disneyland than I was going to Hawaii. And no exaggeration, the second he walked through those gates, it was like he was transformed into this (laughs) kid. And for Four days. I think we were there for four no, days. No, we were there for five days the first time. Yeah. So the first day, he'd ride one ride at Disneyland, run over to California Adventure, run back to Disneyland. And I just giggled the whole time <laughs> and just loved every minute of it. Not so. that we enjoy being right. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. really. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's an amazing story. And yeah. I just love hearing stories like that. So we know that you have a passion for Disney and you want to share it with others. So if anyone wants to join in that passion that you have, how can they take your class or maybe contact you for a book or speaking engagement? What would be the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Well, the class is offered at California Baptist University. Um, we offer it in uh, May and June of each summer session. It, it really is the perfect summer class because uh, we bring in guest lecturers. We, of course, take a field trip to the park. I, I think the real highlight is actually going uh, to Garner Holt Productions in San Bernardino. Uh, Garner Holt today is the largest maker of audio animatronics. And so if you've been to Disneyland and you've seen the dragon at the end of Fantasmic or uh, the wonderful vehicles at Radiator Springs Racers, um, Garner Holt made all of those. And uh, you, the opportunity... Uh, to, to tour their facilities is really sort of a backstage event that not peop- not many folks get a chance to do. And granted, it's backstage in San Bernardino, not backstage at, at Disneyland, but you really get to see some cool and incredible things. And so they can contact me directly. Um, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Disneyland. Facebook, Jeff Barnes. Uh, the book itself also has a Facebook page, uh, The Wisdom of Walt. Um, you can also just contact me directly. My cell phone number, 520-227-9543. And then the book itself is available both on Amazon. Uh, the hard copy is on Amazon. The ebook is on Amazon. Of course, the audio book narrated by the great Al Castle <laughs> is on Amazon. And then personally signed copies are available by way of my own website. And you can find those at the Wisdom of Walt. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Jeff. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and getting to know a little bit and sharing this wonderful story with our listeners. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you so very, very much. All right. Take care. Thank you. Well, 
That's episode 121 wrapped up in a Dr. Disneyland interview extravaganza. Hey, if you have any interesting Disney stories, we want to hear about them. You can send those to us at talespodcast at cox.net. Or if you're interested in being a segment sponsor, you can send your inquiry there too. And we'd like to give a special shout-out thank you to our wonderful Patreon sponsor, Randy Crane. Thanks, Randy. We do truly appreciate you helping out our productions. But hey, if any of you are interested in sponsoring our show, visit our Patreon campaign at www.patreon.com slash storytelleraudioproductions. And that's Patreon with a P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We'd really appreciate it. And be sure to follow us on Twitter for any cool updates or announcements. You can find us at Tales Podcast. And did you know that we have a Facebook page? We do. We sure do. Just go over to Facebook and search for Tales from the Mouse House Podcast. And be sure to like us while you're there, please. And if you'd like to submit a review of a Disney movie or maybe an attraction or restaurant or, heck, anything Disney, we want to hear about them. We sure do. And how about hopping over to iTunes and leave some feedback and ratings like, for the like show? Like the Easter Bunny. Boing, boing, <laughs> boing. We really need your positive feedbacks and ratings. Five stars would help push the show up in the ratings. So if you like the podcast, why not tell everyone so they can like it too? And that would help the show be found easier. As always, if you'd like to send us a comment or just say, Hiya, pal! You can send us an email to talespodcast at cox.net. Leave us voicemail on the hotline at 304-TALES23. Send us a tweet or message on Facebook or just think happy thoughts our way. This podcast is a copyright of 2016 by Storyteller Audio Productions. All Disneyland music and the related materials remain the property and the copyright of the Disney Company. Thanks for tuning in and welcoming us into your homes. And remember, make make it it a a Mickey Mickey Day. Day. Um, how do you do? Mighty fine greet. Oh, whatever. So, are you ready to finish this? I'm ready. Okay, you want to go back to your homework, don't you? No. no. Hey, how about firing up the grill and maybe grilling some steaks? How would that sound? Okay. Mmm, steaks. You know what sounds really, really good, though? What's that? Corn dogs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I haven't had a corn dog since 2012. Oh, no. I think I'm going to wither away to nothing, Mama. I think that Jason and Mikey are there again, so maybe they'll have one for you. Jason, did you have a corn dog for me? I I love corn dogs. I really do. I could eat a whole bunch of them. I could. Okay, so I think I better un, unmute my mic. I think my my mic was muted. Or was my mute mic'd? My muted mic? I don't know. I'm so confused. I need more coffee. That's what I need. I need coffee. Hey, you think anybody's there? I think so. Okay. Let's think of a question. Let's think of a question. We have a really cool giveaway to anybody who's listening. It's Lego Star Wars Droid Tales. Season one, I think. Right, Joyce? Is it season one? Well, it's one of the seasons. I don't know. Uh, it's season look. one. Yeah, it's season one. It's the, the beginning on, on DVD. Plus, in that DVD, there's a collector's pack of cards to the first person who sends me $5,000. Yeah. Okay, no, really. Seriously. No. What should they do, Joyce? Um, let's, uh, let's say, okay, reply in the subject line, we're still listening. Okay, do that, and it's got to be there. And then in the body of the email, tell us a neat story about Disneyland that you like. And then we'll take those answers, and we'll put them in our magic little randomizer, and we'll pick a winner. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. All right. Only if you're still listening. If you're not still listening, then I just said all that for nothing. (laughs) I know. So it is, what's the date today? March 27th. So the contest will close on April 1st. April 1st. April 1st, April Fool's Day. Okay, we'll do that. Okay, we got to go now. We'll see you later. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye.